Well, hey, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Becoming Better podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Krismer, and we're so glad you're here. Well, we hope this episode finds you well wherever and whenever you're listening to it. Uh, on it, Jason, Josh, and I sit down and we discuss the way the Spirit shows up in our lives, uh, a proper theology of worship involving the Spirit. And at the end of the episode, we take a little bit of a turn to discuss Revelation chapter 7. If you weren't able to make it on Sunday or haven't yet gone back and listened to the message, then I do encourage you to go do that before continuing on in this episode as it's going to help this conversation make much more sense to you. Additionally, if you weren't here on Sunday, you are going to want to go back and watch the full service on our YouTube channel because we were able to share some really exciting news in regards to the Excel initiative. Not only were we able to share how many commitments came in and and some exciting stats around those commitments, but we also were able to share the total amount of committed and expected gifts to the Excel initiative over the last two years. As a reminder, these are the funds that are not only going to help us show our dedication to, to Jesus and show our willingness and eagerness to grow in the grace of giving, but they're also the same funds going towards our PV location, uh, a permanent PV location out in Prescott Valley, to building the balcony in Prescott, and to giving a million dollars away to our local and global missions partners. If you want to hear that part of the message and Jason sharing that exciting news, then go ahead and go to excel.quadcity.church. Right there is a landing page where the clip from the sermon on Sunday will be posted when you hear this episode. And last but not least, if you have any questions or comments from Sunday's message, we do encourage you to join us at quadcity.church slash podcast, where you could submit your questions to be answered right here on the show. Well, thanks again for joining us today, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hey guys, good morning. Happy Monday. Morning. How are we doing this morning? Pretty good. Yeah? yeah. Oh, something. Uh, I should have prefaced this before we uh, press record, but how's the working out going, Jason? Dude, I this morning, I'm lying there in my bed. It's about 5.30, and I had set my alarm for 5.45, and I waited for the alarm to go off at 5.45. So I'm just kind of laying there, half dozing, and the alarm didn't ever go off. And I grabbed my phone. I said, man, what time? Oh, and it was like 6.10. And by that point, because it's like a 25-minute drive, yeah, it was a little too late to be able to get over there and get back. So um, right. so I didn't make it over there this morning. Three days a week. That's it, bro. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, uh, you've inspired me to get back to the gym. So I went this morning. Uh, whoop, whoop. So I... um. We live in Granville now. We have for like, I don't know, six six months probably. And uh, we used the pool all summer, like yep. the clubhouse pool. It's awesome. It's like right down the street. The brand new one's right down the street from our house. Um, and it's a nice pool, the whole thing. Every time we went to the pool, I'd walk right past the gym. I was like, oh, maybe I'll use that sometime. I just never, never have. But then I looked it up last night 
And I realized they open at five, which is awesome for me because I'll get up early and be able to get to the gym and back home, hopefully before Porter wakes up, which is kind of best case scenario for me. So I did that this morning and it worked out just fine. Secondary benefit to that is um, when I got there, I was the only one there for like 25 minutes, Mm -hmm. which is best case scenario for me because I don't want to really interact with anyone at the gym or that early in the morning. Uh, and then people started showing up. So I figured I've got like a, a solid 45 minutes in the morning. If I get there right at five to where I could work out and get right back home. And it's like a two and a half minute drive. So good on you. Yeah. Nice. We're doing it. Good. Yeah. What about, uh, Josh, you had a, a question that we could banter on this morning, the spotlight thing. Mm, yeah. So I was listening to that and immediately thought, Oh, I read in the spotlight too. So it must be that they did not trust us to do important roles on the stage. <laughs> um, and it was like, ah, got to fulfill the drama class. So put the guy up on the spotlight. Because immediately I was like, oh, they let, I wonder what this says about the both you and I. Because I huh. for sure ran it once too in a play. And, but I didn't have a lot of role with it. It was like, just turn it on and then turn it off. <laughs> or they weren't trusting me to follow people. Yeah. Oh. So I don't think they, I don't think they trusted us, buddy. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like they pigeonholed us into one category. And look at us now. We're on the stage. Look all the at time. us now. <laughs> That's running. right. Yeah. We. I did think about it, chuckled. I was like, huh, two dumb Kentucky boys running the spotlight. <laughs> ah. So I didn't do it at the school. All right. So it was not for me a uh, drama class kind of thing. I wasn't in drama class. The weirdos were in drama class, Josh. I don't know what you were doing in drama class, but that's probably. I don't know. You weren't a junior thespian? I could really thank you for that. No, I don't remember why I was in it. Oh, man. High school probably had to do a girl. Girls. That's exactly what I was going to say. There's a real good chance. Something dumb. (laughs) Or it's an easy A. Like, real easy. So, at the church I was serving at in Rochester, Illinois, they put on a Christmas play every year. Uh, It was a dinner theater every year. And Mm. so this was a big deal. And Mm. so you sold tickets and did six or seven shows. And uh, they did a meal and had some kind of thing. And so I was the student pastor. And so it was kind of a, it was kind of a big deal. Like they would sell out every year and there'd be, Probably 1,500, 2,000 people attend this thing over four or five shows. And I was not getting on the stage and doing the stuff. And so (laughs) I said, look, it's an all-hands-on-deck part of the church thing. I will go run the spotlight. So they rented scaffolding and put it in the back and put a a uh, spotlight on the top and I just sat up there and ran the spotlight uh, on the scaffolding from the back of the room to your point. So I didn't have to talk to people. I would just sit there and do the thing and it was the perfect job for me because again, you guys know I'm, if I'm not, you know, what I do on Sundays is antithetical to my personality. I just put me, I'll be a wallflower. I love it. Just set me in the back and give me the spotlight. So that's what I did. Um, 
now the, the the interesting part of that. So I do this for a few years. And the stage they built it. They built the auditorium for this production. So it had a huge, big stage. Had Brendan, big, Brendan just doesn't know this Midwest dinner theater no, life, bro. I don't. It, it was oh, a huge deal. Huge and, deal. And, CCU did one. It was massive. Yeah. That really sounds like something I just wouldn't be into. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. Probably not. The stage was four feet tall. And... um I'm running the spotlight and one of the guys is doing his lines and I'm running the spotlight and he literally walks right off the front of the stage. <laughs> like legit. Oh, that's the, I don't know, lights in his eyes. He misses where he misses his mark and literally walks right off the front of the stage. Oh, and I God, followed yeah. him and I'm like, oh, I, uh, yeah, we probably shouldn't be shining that anymore because he got hurt, ended up having to go to the hospital. Oh, but, yikes. Yeah. You know, I get people that tell me all the time that they think I'm going to do that when I host in Prescott because I really like being right on the edge you of the stage. You do put your toes right to the edge. The balls of my feet. Yeah, I like having the balls of my feet right on the little lip of the stage because it tells me right where I'm supposed to be and the lighting's good there and that's like, you know, close but not, yeah, I don't know. So I've had people tell me all the time, like, one day you're going to walk right off. And I was like, I really don't think I am. Yeah. So, maybe. Hmm. He fell off the stage. Walked right off. Man. And he was older. Yeah. He's probably in his late sixties. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Young people aren't in the in, no. well, there were some young there people. Four feet's a tall a stage. It was a tall yeah, stage. That's not, that's not a small stage. Did you like no? I think I had to do so my first church they did a dinner theater. I think I had to be the what was I? Maybe the, like the waiter or the waitress bring in the food. You had to be the waitress? Wait, <laughs> yeah. I mean, y'all didn't check my resume too closely, did you? Uh, yeah, I never had seen one either. Um, our home church growing up there for a little while in Harrodsburg, we did a big Christmas production for like six years in a row. It was the Grinch. Nice. Yeah. Um, it was like, no, well, like to the end, it, we the Grinch found Jesus and then he gave us part of the, the Lord. <laughs> it was. And it grew three sizes that day. It did because of the Lord. Yeah. So uh, we did a couple other ones too. So we always had to be in them too. I, gosh, man, I just. I just, I volunteered for the spotlight. It was man. great. I just sat back there and put the light on somebody else. That was my, it was perfect. It was great. We can't uh, mess that up. That's good. So was this like a fundraiser deal? No, like it man. Would, it's probably no, like outreach. A, outreach. Oh. Like a gospel. Yeah. No. It's okay. It wasn't. No, it and was that just. intended purpose. No, I mean, it would be church people. Like, yes. As a non-church person. You're not going. There's not a right. snowball chance that uh-huh. I'm going walking into a church for a dinner theater. Right. Oh, no. Not at all. Unless you. Unless. Maybe your family or something. Related sure. to yeah, or. Yeah, yeah. Friends with somebody who's in it. In it. Yeah, that's 100%. That's yep. it. But mostly it was other churches coming yeah. and seeing it. Yeah. Ours was Funny. In a, and ours was in a room that was like, could hold 100 because they hadn't yet taken the pews out of the auditorium. Mm. When I first got there, and it was a big deal. It was one of the last things I did there. Nice. And they just disliked me strongly. But anyhow, um, uh, and then when I got them, the chairs very similar to what we have now. They were like, oh, these are so comfortable and nice. I was like, yeah, man, these pews are not comfy. <laughs> that wood is not, but it's like a room of like a hundred. Like you couldn't even move in there. Yeah. And it's just jam-packed in there. We serve spaghetti. What about you? What was your dinner theater food? There were there were different options. 
Oh, oh, you all were big time. Oh, yeah, it was a big deal. And so there was a spaghetti night, but there was also some other nights where you could pay a little more and get something a little nicer. So. You could like scan the menu with your QR code. No, no, no. It was like, this is what is going to be served at this one. This is what can be served at this one. This is the $5 oh. plate. This is the $10 night. It was a joke because I'm just making the assumption this was prior to the ability to scan a QR code. That's true. Okay. Oh, this okay. was. I'm just, oh, yeah. I, for this, you, what, when was that? What this year? would have been. 2003, four, five, six. Oh, yeah, that's when I went to Cincinnati. Yeah. So same time. Big yeah. deal, man. Big. Corey Heward, who was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, wasn't even alive then. So that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> Barely? Barely, yeah. but. Was he 99? I don't know. 2000? Barely. Probably. Here we are doing dinner theater. <laughs> <laughs> you do look back sometimes at some of the things and go. Well, I guess so. Our college did one, yeah. And for sure. the reason why our, our living church, Christmas tree, no, the reason our church did it was the Southland did that one. Our music director at our church worked and did the one at CCU, so mm-hmm. it was like a natural piece of it. It involved music. Did yours involve music? Oh, for oh, sure, yeah, real theatrical nice. and yeah, yeah. singing yeah. and yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just we should bring it back. Oh no, man, no. <laughs> I had to do a kids pageant like play. That was one of my like roles, and I was like, "What? What about me is like gonna do a play with a bunch of kids?" That's I had good. to do that too in my first ministry when I was. I had to be a children's pastor. Yeah, they actually have little booklets that you can just buy and have kids memorize the play. Right? Nice, and then they do costumes and all that. Good so. Stuff. There's a lot. There's a lot we could do. I'm sure in small church. There's a lot you do in small church world that now you look back and go, "Huh, that was fun." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, hey, let's get into uh, the message from this past Sunday. We were in week four of someone's missing, and the uh, the topic surrounding the Holy Spirit this week was, uh, "What does the Holy Spirit do?" Uh, and there's a lot. Right, so I uh, want to dig into that a little bit, but before we do, would just love to hear uh, from your guys' perspective. You know, we had this list of thirty things, and the whole point of it was to be kind of overwhelming. Definitely wasn't an exhaustive list by any means, but it was a pretty, pretty good, comprehensive list of things that uh, Scripture teaches us. The Holy Spirit does and engages in, uh, and out of those thirty things, just would love to hear uh, if there was one or two that stood out for you guys as something that. Maybe you didn't attribute to the spirit, or or maybe just you know uh, something that that you didn't engage in nearly as much. Um, that maybe you can circle back to. So, what stood out to you guys? Initially, what stood out. So, in I was in PV this week, and so for communion, I did Titus three, not Titus four. I know it's in our notes is four, but it's three. Titus three. I did verses three and four for communion. So it talks about like at one time too, we were foolish and disobedient and uh, enslaved all kind of passions. And then, but when the kindness and love of our God are say, I didn't go to verse five. So I was like not in the room and walked back in for, like I had to go do something. Was I, I don't remember what I was doing, but I walked back in the room and I was in, you were in this verse and I was like, oh, we just heard that. That's great. And it wasn't like a, like I had looked at all your lists, but I didn't remember when I was writing my communion that it was going to tie into each other. So it was cool. Like they got the first half and the second half um, uh, 
just reminding us of like what God has done for us, like that whole picture. Um, and then how the spirit actually renews that. Um, when, Cause when you think about the, the reminder of the, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy and you know, it's Titus three, three through five, uh, just a really powerful reminder um, of what that is. Um, and then the one you read after that, and I don't know if it stood out to, but the fruits of the spirit that it says forbearance, where it's interesting, which is patience. You know, there's only time I ever referenced the King James because it says long suffering. Mm-hmm. And I always think about it in that way of like, and none of us want that one. <laughs> We're all like, give me peace. Give me love, you know, mm-hmm. give me, you know, goodness. None of us are ever thinking, give me long suffering or forbearance or patience. Um, but so much of the seasons of life, I just look back and go, man, that's what the spirit was growing in me. Even if I didn't want it, that's what he knew I needed at that time, right? It's really interesting when you think through the gifts um, of the spirit, or the fruit of the spirit in that in that manner. So um, th- those were those two, just because they were together, really stood out in my mind, I guess. Yeah, that's good. I had two that kind of stood out for maybe different reasons. The first one, uh, it was number 13 on your list, and it was that the Spirit sets us free from sin and death. And the the reason this one stood out to me was because I've almost always exclusively attributed that to the work of Christ on the cross, mm-hmm. right? I have almost always attributed uh, you know, that to a soul work of Jesus rather than the Spirit's work in me through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And I just love that that text in Romans 8 you referenced um, to it. Uh, just to, again, it's just another picture for me of the relationship of the Trinity. Um, and that, that's one that probably I haven't uh, played super, paid super close attention to. Uh, number six for me uh, was also really interesting. The Spirit sanctifies us. I think if there were, if there was anything on this list that, um, I probably have a tendency to bear the sole weight of it is sanctification. It is just me making the choice. It's me being obedient, me doing the thing. And I definitely don't want to downplay our role in that piece, our role in hey, just doing the right thing and doing the thing we know, uh, trying to stay on the path that God has before us. But also, um, I, I definitely don't lean as much into the spirit in that realm of my life. I, I bear much more of the weight uh, of my own sanctification. So that was one that was maybe a little sobering for me. Uh, and yeah, I'm not really sure how to, um, outside of, you know, uh, prayer and intention, how to take the soul weight off of me when it comes to the sanctification piece and, and lean or rely more on the spirit. But that's something definitely I need to spend some time on. Yeah. Two for me, <clears throat> it's, the one I always get passionate about is the spirit praying for us. Again, you, I harped on that a little bit on Sunday with hey, the spirit is the one who knows the mind and the will of God. And we don't. And again, so I'm sitting with a family and is their healing actually what's best for them? I don't know. I pray for it, but I don't know what I ought to pray for. And the spirit does. And so we lean into into the spirit as he prays uh, for us. Um, So that's a huge one. On that one, really quick, I had a moment yesterday that made me think of that. And oftentimes, right, this the idea of praying for healing specifically or praying for a specific situation, outcome from a specific situation, 
um, has always been hard for me. I've never felt like that's something I need to be praying for or should be praying for. Um, but I feel like there is some sort of line there um, and it's comforting knowing <laughs> that the Spirit's advocating on your behalf in your yeah. prayer. Um, my go-to line is your will be done, yeah. right? On earth as it is in heaven. Like that's the, I, humbly saying, I don't know what that is, yeah. but please just do it. Like yeah. do whatever that is. So yeah. sorry, go ahead. But I'm No, it's great. That. The other one would be that I probably hadn't spent enough time thinking through. Um, I've only been preaching here for 15 years, but coming across 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, this, Paul writing, this is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. And the caption was that the Holy Spirit speaks through teachers. Like, there's this, there's this piece for me, and my wife does this for me every once in a while. Well, I'll have a thought that I put into a sermon and I'll say, I don't know where that came from. I'd never really read that anywhere. I hadn't thought about that. And she goes, it came from the spirit. That's where, because she's more spiritual than me. So she helps me to recognize, hey, this, the spirit speaks and he speaks through teachers. So whenever we're preaching and teaching, the work of the Spirit in the midst of that, what He's doing in in our offices on a Tuesday, uh, comes out. His voice that comes in on a Tuesday in my office actually comes out to the to the church on a Sunday morning. So that's that's a piece of it that I think I should probably lean into more and and ask the Spirit to continue to do that even more and help me to get out of the way so that people can hear Spirit spiritual realities through spirit-taught words. That's really good. You know, the Galatians 5.1, your comment, it says, for though, for through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. And you know your comment was, don't you ever look in the mirror and go, when is this righteousness coming? Yeah. Right? Right again, too, right? So you all know, uh, you know, church, you've heard me teach now a couple times on this idea of righteousness and justice are all being the same thing, right? And so I was thinking about that when you were talking. It's for the, through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the justice, like that God has made the world right through Jesus. Man, and I'm just waiting on that to actually come to pass. Like all that is wrong has been made right and will be made right because of what Jesus has done, right? So not even just in my own life, just in the world. And it is the, for through the Spirit, like that's what I'm awaiting for. And it's like with all the other ones too, it's like he's going to guarantee it. Like he's like, I'm just waiting. And it, it also popped up when you're talking about the three things that the spirit does with can uh, to the unbeliever. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I loved. And you didn't do it in 11, which I, the nine 30, you did. It was so helpful. You just said it at 11, but at nine 30, the analogy, when you wrote the S on sins and then mm. you took it away with the TV. I was like, Oh damn, that was, that was fancy. Jason. Oh man. He's over here. He's looking at music, that TV. I was like, dang man. He, he, Jason. Erase. he erased it, but it was such a cool visual because yeah. you were so right. You were like, it's not, don't read sins. No, no, no. Yeah. The sin. And what's the greatest sin yeah. that we do not believe. Unbelievers don't believe it's the greatest sin and it dictates everything. Yeah. So that was really cool. And, but also too, that word, the same word, right, as Dico and say, which is righteousness and justice, and it's the same thing. And he, he, it says he will prove the wrong world about justice, right? And Jesus says, because I go to the Father, 
And it's this really cool picture that Jesus has been justified because he now sits at the right hand of God. Like it has been true. It, it is true. That's why Jesus says he's going to prove it. And again, it's the whole piece of Joel ties into that. Like because he was glorified and his and God vindicated him through the cross, through the resurrection, right? Like it's a huge picture of like what he actually did worked. And the Holy Spirit is the thing that proves it now. He proves the world wrong because they thought they killed him. Yet God raised him from the dead and now sits him at the right hand. Just this really cool picture. Like, again, for me, it's, I think through all of this, even thus far, I think a lot of people would say this is um, we've just missed so many important pieces of what the Holy Spirit does um, and how he's worked and what his coming means and what ultimately is continues to do for us each and every day that so many more pictures, like I said, just sitting there, how he brought those other things in mind, just like you said, that's what he does. He reminds you of things and calls forth truth. And I'm like, oh yeah, man, this is so much bigger than even what I see, just how he's connecting the dots. So yeah, really most cool. most of us, we grew up in the, the, the array of the work of the spirit is the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit. Yeah. And those are the two. Yeah. And that's that's typically all that gets taught in churches. And so, um, yeah, I hopefully, I heard several people this week came up and said, wow, I had no idea. Like this, there was so much more than I, than I knew that I was missing out on or hadn't given the spirit credit for. And so my, I think this conversation would be great for our people to have during their groups this week is yeah. just, Hey, where on this list, have you do you see biblical, scriptural reality of the work of the Spirit that you've not tapped into? That was one of the questions that we I asked. Yeah. That. I did because I was like, "Hey, what stood out to you? Yeah. What did you not know?" Um, you know, I would think to uh, the part that ultimately the work of the Spirit is to glorify the Son. Yes, and then we see how all this fits in yeah. that, right? So one of the questions is too what would you have said was the work of the Spirit before the sermon? I would be really curious to hear what people would say there is, hey, I, I thought it was just to, to give me gifts yeah. or to uh, to do these things, but um, it's not. You know, I love, too, the the finishing up on that John piece, that the judgment piece, right? Like, so your brain always goes, <laughs> because we're so different, your brain goes negative of, like, divine judgment, which I think for sure definitely does. But also, too, like the positive is for so many people who think that this is uh, the world is terrible and it's awful. No, no, no. The, the prince of the world stands condemned. God is victorious. Like that is the hope that we sit in and rest in. Yes, that ultimately one day all people will be judged. But I look at it and it, the reminder for me is like he doesn't win. That's what the spirit reminds me of. That the enemy has been judged and stands condemned, and I no longer have to give him the power that he holds over the rest of the world. That's the hope. I think that's a great truth for you, but you're a believer. Oh, hundred so percent. Yeah, hundred percent. In the context of that, but it's also too. There's a lot of people who are looking for hope, and they think that the world is, you know, that this is just it. And no, the he reminds you of like, no, no, no. God actually took care of this 
the enemy of this world, the prince of this world has been condemned. If you choose to now believe in the son, you get to rest in that same victory. Right. Yeah. I was just saying the context of that is he's proving the world wrong about judgment. So they don't believe that judgment. So that's not something they would be proved wrong about. Right. Um, But that is a great hope for those who are in Christ. Yeah. That's really good. I did too love the way that you wrapped up um, because it put into perspective why all this stuff is important, right? You know, pulling back out the stool and really at the end of it, it's, and I love the way that you even framed the question is what of these things with 30 things listed on the screen that you could barely read because there's so many, right? What of these things have you been relying solely on yourself for? Um, And I hope that our people could look at that and better understand the role and the purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives in all of those areas. And hopefully they can, like you did, take a deep breath and feel like, gosh, this isn't isn't all on me. I can't do all of these things. And it's not the way that God intended me to live my life is, is by trying, right? Um, so I did love uh, that, that kind of tie-in piece at the very end. Um, I got nervous for you. <laughs> I was like, whoa, that's too whole. He's taking it all. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, he made that's it. Good. Okay. I was, I was like, there's not that crossbar. I was like, oh man, they're not all tied together. They're not still, all yeah. tied together. Yeah, but dicey. it worked. It I'm, I'm hoping you tested that beforehand. It's <laughs> good. Well, we had a couple of questions come uh, in. One was actually from last week that we'll get to. We put it off for this week because I thought it was more relevant uh, within this conversation. Here's the. Here's the question. Um, now that we're learning more about the Holy Spirit, will we begin to wor- uh, sing worship songs that are more gratifying to the Spirit? Well, you know, as we said this week, I think I think we, do, we have to make sure that we understand that the role of the Holy Spirit is to exalt Jesus. So, Again, one of the interesting things, and again, I didn't have time to get into it in the sermon, and part of why I had to cut the the sin piece there in that is because my sermon was getting too long, and so I had to cut it. Um, but part, part of what we were saying is like, look, the Holy Spirit in Scripture, the Holy Spirit of, of the, the three persons of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit is the one who's never said to receive glory, okay? So the, the, the Spirit gives glory to Jesus, the Son. The Son gives glory to the Father, and the Father also glorifies the Son. But the biblically, you won't find anywhere where the Spirit is given glory, okay? He only gives glory. He never receives it. So, when we're talking about singing worship songs to the Spirit, that's just not something you see biblically. There's no precedent for the worshiping of the Spirit, per se. There's a worshiping of God, for sure. And the Spirit is part of God. He is God. But to worship the Spirit as a person in and of himself, that's just not something we see biblically. Um, with that, I, I would say, I do think there's value and there's some people who would even push back against this. I do think there is some value in 
inviting the spirit in through worship or, or, or asking the spirit to move among us. So I, there is value in those. Um, in the same way that we have the ability to grieve the spirit and quench the spirit, I think we also have the, the ability to invite the spirit. So quenching him is pushing him away. And I think inviting him is asking him to come near. And so I think there, there is value in that. But to elevate the spirit to a place of our worship probably takes it a level further than I would be comfortable with simply because I don't see it biblically. Yeah, right. If the sole purpose of the spirit is to gratify the son. Yes. I think he does that in us, in our worship, right? I, I believe the spirit is uh, in us. Uh, we can worship by the spirit. I think it's a prime opportunity for us to invite the spirit while we're worshiping specifically through singing. I, I do think there is something tangible. Like there's a reason we do it. Mm-hmm. I think there's something tangible about worshiping through song and uh, and the way that the spirit can move through that. Um, so he has a role to play in our worship. I think it's a tremendous role. Yes. But to your point, we don't ever really see anywhere in scripture that tells us to worship to the spirit. Yeah. So, or even pray to the spirit. Right. So again, yeah. I, I think it's okay. <laughs> I think the, like I said, in the same vein that we have the ability to quench the spirit, I think we have the ability to invite the spirit but again, if you press me on it, I would have to say there's no biblical precedent for it. Nowhere will you see anyone praying to the Spirit in in Scripture. So, um, so I just think we've got to be careful with yeah. that piece. Well, yeah. I think your disclaimer was probably the most helpful saying, so if you're ever in an environment that has over-glorified the Spirit and say, you know, versus the son or the father, you should probably watch out. You should probably just go, wait a minute, something, yeah, something's off. Something's off. All right. Again, it's not to say that it's not an acknowledgement that the spirit, that he is not very much part of the triune God. Right. And we can worship God. And in doing so, we worship this, we do worship the yes. spirit, but his distinct personhood of the spirit should not be the leading role player. Correct. Um, and I think maybe that's why people are, maybe why it's been diminished or um, uh, discounted is because of some of that. I don't know if people even really know that or think that deep, but just thinking through that, maybe it's why pastors or, uh, you know, are hesitant to maybe talk about it or teach about it because it can become really like, and it's so emotive and emotional based and it's all about feelings. And again, all those things are legit and right, but it does become a, a, slippery slope um which you again did you say did you say again this week about um you talked about emotions again oh yeah signs and wonders yeah yeah it's not signs and wonders it's unity again we wouldn't say that though because we would we want the signs we want the if if we could just see and experience and have all this stuff and he's like no actually it's actually not that like the greatest power we have is being unified as believers around the common thing and his name is jesus that's what we're unified around so but we don't like that because you can't see it right how how do you see that yeah 
Yeah, that's good. Uh, Second question here is a little bit of a left turn. It's not as much about the message itself, but one of the texts that you used in the midst of the message. So here it is. Have fun. Uh, In the message, the verse Ephesians 4.30 was spoken about. I'm fairly confused by the use of this verse as it is about being sealed uh, for the day of redemption. The part I'm struggling with is Revelation 7.4. Uh, where it mentions a specific number of people, which is uh, 144,000, 144, sorry, uh, who are sealed. How can both of these ber- verses be right when it appears that they contradict? Yeah, the, uh, yeah, there's no contradiction in these two. Um, the, the quick answer is every believer, everyone who is in Christ is sealed. So when we talk about seal, uh, think of you know when a um, a document was sealed by the king. They would take wax and put it on the document and put the signet ring of the king in the wax, and that was the sealing of that document. It. It demonstrates ownership. It demonstrates authority. You don't have the authority to break the seal of the king. The king's signet ring in the wax declares this is his authoritative word. Uh, We even see this idea when Jesus was crucified and they buried him and they rolled the tomb in front and it said the seal, the Roman seal was placed on the tomb on the on the stone so that no one would break that stone remove the stone and break the seal because it was the seal of Rome it was his it was the authority of Rome that you were going against so that same idea is what marks us as the people of God so uh let me just remind people of of the text so Ephesians 4 verse 30 uh, says it this way and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So it is God's mark, his signet ring placed on our life that marks us as his on the day of redemption. And this is actually the second time in the letter to the Ephesians that this idea of sealing has been talked about. So he also says it in Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 13. It says, and you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. So from the beginning, the Holy Spirit is a seal. He is a deposit it is God's down payment for all believers. Now, we could spend a whole lot of time talking about the 144,000 of Revelation. That's probably another podcast for another day. But that 144,000 uh, is, a for many people, they believe that to be a future group of people who, like all believers, will be sealed. Uh, there are others who see that as, and I would fit into this camp, who see that as a symbolic number. It is not a literal number. It's a symbolic number, 12,000, I'm sorry, 12 uh, 
representing the Old Testament and the the prophets, 12 representing, I'm sorry, 12 representing the 12 tribes, the Old Testament chosen ones, 12 representing the apostles, the New Testament chosen ones, and then multiply those two by a thousand. That's how you get 144,000. 12 times 12 times a thousand. Thousand being the number of completeness in the book of Revelation, most numbers in the book of Revelation. Uh, because it is apocryphal literature, it's not to be taken literal. It's apocryphal. It's it's symbolic, and these numbers have meaning. So anyway, it's a picture of the entire group of believers, both Jews and Gentiles together. So, but either way, you want to um, interpret that 144,000. If you think it's a future group of people, or it's just a picture of all of the redeemed people of God, it does not in any way contradict the fact that every believer who is in Christ has been sealed. Um, so, I think Ephesians chapter 1 is the is the greatest uh clearest understanding for us. You were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. So everybody who comes to faith in Jesus is sealed with the Holy Spirit. So every person who is in Christ, that's true for them. That's really good. Uh, Yeah, I think the important Note there that you made being that 144,000 is not talking about a literal amount of people sealed in Christ. Again, I think that everything that we see all throughout scriptures would tell us that there isn't a limit on the number of people sealed for the day of judgment. Like, that's just not what anyone in the Protestant church would believe. So, no, Um, we're out, man, if that's the case. I think so. It's been, it's been a lot of years. It's been a lot of years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not that. And two, it's interesting too. I was just reading Revelation five, six and seven while you were chatting. Um, And that whole thing is about seals. Like, because there's also seals on the scroll and who's worthy to open the scroll and it's seals and they're weeping and they're, what are we going to do? And the angel says, no, no, look, there's one who's worthy to open scrolls and the seals and then they read them right and they're all terrible and then but it gets to oh but look because of the lamb because of the lamb of god look at the multitude of of generations and thousands of people who now worship around the throne like just a again the picture is the doom and there's no way but no he's come Right, like that's the picture that when we read Revelations, is over and over and over again. Of it seems like all is lost, but no, 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 the Lamb, the root of Jesse, he's coming, and yeah. one day will come again. You know, and so that's the hope. Hopefully, we always read Revelation and we leave hopeful yeah. because of what Jesus has done for us and how we are going to make it through. Yeah, because if I read that only one hundred forty-four thousand were in, I'd be discouraged. Yeah. I'm out. Like I, I'm, I'm smart, man. I could do that math. No, but it's not that at all. Again, I would go to the Ephesians chapter yep. one is yep. that we are all sealed, and that seal is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. And again, using the same verbiage until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Yeah, the day of redemption. We're sealed till that day uh, by the Holy Spirit, which is the sonship piece. Too, right? In yeah. Like, don't be yeah. a daughter, be a son. That's and right. I know, again, people probably heard it. I'm so glad you spent a moment just chatting about it. Yeah. No, no, you want to be 
a son. We get the standing of a son. And that's none of us deserve it, but we've all been given the standing of the son. And that happens through the spirit. Yeah. So again, so why when you connect the dots to begin to see all of this, of really what the spirit, what he does for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a big deal. That's good. Well, let's uh, give a little bit of a snapshot to next week. Since we just talked about what the Spirit does for us, what's next week, Jason? So next week, we get to talk about what the Spirit does not do. Because uh, I think there are people who, um, we're all a little crazy. And sometimes we, I think the Spirit gets blamed for the dumb things that we do. And so we want, <laughs> we, we, the spirit has to take the hit. So biblically, we're going to look at next week. Here's some things that the spirit will not do. Here's what he won't do. So that's what we're going to hit next week. Looking forward to that one. Awesome. Thanks, guys. We'll uh, see you soon.